Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. This is the 450 MX preview podcast. That's right. We're going to get right into the 450 class coming up this Saturday at Hangtown, kicking off a 12-round Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Series. Um, and uh, we're happy to have BTOsports.com on board. Use the code PULPMX when you're there to save yourself big at BTOsports.com. Proud sponsors of the BTO Sports KTM team with the injured Andrew Short and the uh, ready, for, uh, ready for the Outdoors Justin Brighton. And uh, great guys, great site, mobile phone friendly, great international shipping rates. You can, uh, you can get free shipping international if you spend over a certain amount. And uh, whatever you need, bike your body, they have it. And, of course, Fox Racing, foxhead.com, global innovation leader in motocross racewear, continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate. Airspace goggle, instinct boot, uh, Fox, uh, brand new stuff out now, Dungy, Rocks, and just some of the guys that wear Fox Racing. Fox Racing, Fox Racing. Go to your local dealer, foxhead.com. All right, everybody, uh, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line is uh, the other two experts, the other two guys that know everything about this sport inside and out and are never wrong, and this podcast will prove it. The Jason Wygant. No. <laughs> Please go back and listen to this after um, Indiana. and uh, uh, Go back and listen to last year's. I actually did listen to some of it. Oh, you did? Um, oh. Yeah, you, you ready? This is how last year starts. Are you ready? Hold on a second. Let me bring Clearly, you... it's, James, it's James Stewart and Ryan Dungey are 1A and 1B. Clearly, between those two. Correct? Oh, yes. <laughs> Across the board. That's really, how it went? That's really how it went down? Yep, Stuart and Dunge. Oh, Stu. Neither. Oh, up winning the Stu. Um, also on the line, uh, peddling fly racewear across the country and worldwide is the Jason Thomas. Yeah, this, uh, it's about time we did one of these things again. Um, JT, I'm very upset at you. You will not be going to all the nationals this year, even though Western Power Sports is a huge sponsor of the Outdoor Series now. You have chosen to take the summer off like James Stewart. Uh, I don't know that it was, I was, I chose to do this, but, um, yeah, my, uh, the owner of our company felt that it was more important for me to be out trying to do my real job instead of going to the races every Saturday and not no, being burnt out dis- and all that stuff. I disagree strongly. Well, you should take it up with the person that made the choice then. <laughs> you need to be at the Nationals, hanging out, sitting in the middle of the infield in the dust storms. That's what nope. you need to do. Done that. Done that for about twenty years. I'm good. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, you went back and listened, and so yeah, we 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 said Stu and Stu and Dunge. No, Stu and Stu and Dunge. Like I'm not just Stu, but basically those two are the only guys that go in the title. Which one are you going to pick? Because clearly it will be one of the two. 
Why didn't we think more of Roxon? He's the world champion. He's Kenny Roxon. What was wrong with that? <laughs> yes, Georgia Lindsay was the only one that nailed it. Had a conference call. I remember the day after the podcast where she's like, "Why is everyone talking about Stu and Dunge? Kenny Roxon is probably the best one of all." And I'm like, "Whatever." <laughs> He's only 19. Take your take your muffins and your crumpets and go back to your country. Yeah. Oh, European bias. Right. Well, right. He was right. Um, yeah, Kenny Roxon, the defending 450 MX champion. Now, this podcast is going to just deal with 450 class. We'll do 250s either tomorrow or the end. Just sometime this week, we'll do 250 preview. I don't think we can squeeze both both uh, classes into one show. I don't, I don't feel it does it justice. So, um, all right, let's let's first say we. So you're back on TV. You're the voice of American Motocross again. Congratulations. Yep. Even got to uh, get a little pregame in. Oh, they don't mean that literally, though. With my buddy Grant Langston just yesterday, we did an Endurance Cross TV show together. Mm-hmm. Uh, although when you say pregame, it probably gives you other ideas when GL is involved. We just spoke about riding; that is all we, all we did. <laughs> now GL is back as the color analyst for the series, and hopefully providing us with much more entertainment throughout the year. Uh, Georgia Lindy's back as the uh, pit reporter. There's also an online show that Jimmy Albertson is doing, or something. What's what's happening with this? Yeah, if you guys remember last year, there was a pregame show uh, that Georgia hosted, but they shot most of that on Friday and a little bit on Saturday morning. This is so now they've upgraded that to be a live show, so none of us can do it because we're getting ready for a television show. So uh, I've heard it's not just Jimmy Albertson. I heard own Jason Thomas might actually be involved. If he goes to the races, uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing this weekend. Oh, you are? So, okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what you're talking about, but um, yeah. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Well, you were saying that it's the Jimmy Albertson show, but it's not this weekend. Um, okay. All right. Well, you can call Jimmy. You guys will be fighting over the mic, apparently. So. Well, as far as I know, I think it's myself, well, Donnie Emler, and Georgia this uh, weekend. All right. Um, uh, all right. The, oh, the, so you, no, said, you said Georgia did this last year. It's online only? I don't remember any of this. That's odd. I, should, I guess I'm at the races, so I'm not paying attention. Yeah, I think that's why you didn't know. They right. they shot most, like I said, a lot on Friday, and then a few clips on Saturday morning, and uh, she was just going through the pitch interviewing people. And then if you watched on the promotocross.com at 1 o'clock for the moto, that thing came on at 1230. It went right up to the moto. There's actually a pregame show with Georgia all year can, long. Can you, just, can you just say pre-race instead of game? You keep saying game. Just pre-race. Well, I used pregame earlier with Langston, and now I just want consistency in the broadcast. <laughs> and it will be it will be similar to the format last year. We'll be filming a lot on Friday. Uh, this Friday, obviously, it's the week of the race, um, and then I believe we're doing some again on Saturday. So, the majority of our work will be done on Friday still, though. Now it's oh, good. So, what's the live element? They told me it's live. What's live? Yeah, I think there is, there is a live element on Saturday, but we will still okay. be doing all of our pre-roll like interviews. Um, yeah. and all that stuff basically to give, uh, you know, the, the lead into the race. We're going to be doing that all, all of that on Friday. The, the series is actually, so we, okay. So we're, we're on NBC, we're on NBC sports and we're on Mav TV again, three networks. Yeah. Three motos a year on NBC, yep. basically everything on Mav TV and NBC sports network, which is now it's NBCSN. That's what they're calling it now. Oh, NBCSN. Okay. Um, yep. Do I go? Do I try just say the rant now about people who complain about two different networks and changing channels, or should I go on it again? My yearly one. No, I think you should. Yeah, similar, similar yeah. problem, different year. Yeah, I just, I just can't stand these people that are complaining about motocross on TV, live motocross for the most part, 
and how they don't have Mav TV. They don't. They can't afford it, or they they do have it, and it's a pain in the ass to find it or to switch channels or whatever. I, I don't. I guess these people expect to have uh, two hours, two plus hours of live motocross on one channel. I mean, uh, this is where we're at. Back, yeah, four hours of of motocross. Now, this is where we're at. I mean, come on, people. It's just ridiculous. Look, if you don't have Mav TV, I, I added it. It was pretty cheap. It was like 4 bucks a month or something. If you can't get it, you can't get it. It's online, it's so you can watch it on your computer. Nowadays, the most decent computers now, you can run an HDMI cable to your TV, and now it's on your TV. And guess what? Your DVR will find it. Guess what? Look in the channels. Switch around. Like, I just don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about, oh, I got to, you know, it's on, th- it's on three different networks on three different times. Who cares? F- figure it out. Don't be complainers. Don't be idiots. It's, 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 for the most part, it's live motocross. I just, you give these people a little bit of, you know, of something like super cool, and they'll always be the complainers about it. There'll always be people that will just complain instead of really being happy for what it's at. Is it the perfect thing? Would we love to have one channel like NASCAR to carry four hours? Of course. But guess what? Sport ain't big enough. Nowhere near is big enough. Darts are bigger. Ping pong is bigger. So just calm darts down. Are not bigger. Darts are probably bigger. The World yeah. Darts Championships, I bet you they're bigger. Guarantee you it's not. Okay. Well, all right. You can continue to be the yeah, but guy on the phone and on Twitter, and we'll just carry on this podcast. Well, um, you say ridiculous things like World Darts Championship is bigger. I, I guarantee you it is. I'm going to look after we hang this up. I guarantee you the ratings are bigger. World Darts are live on Fox Sports? They are live. They are live. World Darts are live on Fox uh, Network? They are live on some network. Absolutely. Not on Not on. Okay. National All right. broadcast. So, anyways, back to what we were saying. That. So, people just stop it's complaining. Or, or just one time a year, though. Yeah, just one time a year. Whatever. The, the, oh, well, I have apples to oranges. Come on. I'm just saying. The fact is, don't okay. shit on the point. The yeah. fact is, it's a small yeah. sport. It's a niche sport, and it yeah. it we're doing great. We're doing great to have three motos on NBC, the big one. And most motos on NBC Sports, and all of them on Mav TV. They're online. So just quit complaining, people. I just, it just drives me nuts. I get, I get these tweets. Yeah, what, what's I, funny I get, is, uh, I'm going to ram right through uh, JT's point here. What's funny is, it's like, well, as soon as you add something, everyone forgets where it used to be and never sees the improvement. Like, when they got this deal, you couldn't get any network to give you more than two hours on a Saturday TV at all. So they are in a perfect spot. Once you get to spring and summer, everything is trying to get on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. So the first thing they could get was only two hours. It used to be on speed. Then we switched to NBCSN. So the idea of the first motos being shown live on TV was never even in play. It wasn't even considered right. a possibility. So they put it online. Now, uh, at one point, Fuel and now Mav TV came and said, hey, we, we're a smaller channel, but we would like to have them. So it was like, okay, the original model was two hours on the Internet, two hours on TV. But if you want to put those two hours on your network, that's fine. We'll be glad to have it. So that was actually an added thing, an improvement over when it didn't used to be on TV at all. But because it's on a small channel, it still gets made fun of. But it's actually better than where we were before when it wasn't on television at all. I just it's so weird how that works. I just don't understand the these people. That, yeah, gets made fun of. I just yeah. don't understand these people that complain about it. It's like, come on, man. You know, like yeah, but you. I mean, that's human nature. People complain. That's what they do. That's what they do. Uh-huh. They'll find anything. Um, we we. So if anything goes wrong, though, we can complain to you. Yes, I'm in charge. <laughs> You're in charge of everything? 
Yeah, I'm in charge of everything, except, obviously, if we get to the point where something goes wrong, I don't really, at that point, know much about the sport. I will become an outsider ruining your sport. So I will be both in charge but an outsider at the same time. I swear if you refer to the Supercross series as the Winter Series, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> if you just gloss over the fact that there was this 17-round Supercross series, things are not going to go well between me and you. I'm wondering, uh, JT, you're the former racer. Talk about the off-season these guys have just come off of. I mean, they haven't raced since last August. What's it been like for these guys the last mm-hmm. eight months? Mm. Well, it's not going to be easy. I mean, they're, you know, gate drops are irreplaceable. So um, I think, yeah. you know, all these guys have been racing their whole life, so the rust will go away quickly. Uh, but still, I mean, you're still going to have a lot more nerves and jitters than guys that have been racing all spring, you know, winter and spring. So I think you really took that seriously. Winter and spring where? You really took that winter question winter seriously. Winter and spring racing, right. speak of, take place. Never heard of this. Yeah. JT, okay. I think you were taking that question seriously. He was, I was, yeah. Yeah, was. he was kidding. Um, <laughs> hey, so, um, and also, too, another change this year is 450s are the last moto, the second moto, and the fourth moto, which is a, a change Davey Coombs said that DeCoster has suggested. Uh, and, I, I mean, I, I see both sides. Uh, although, um, you know, you want to get your stars of the sport out first motos and, and first right away. But the track is rougher and, you know, a little gnarlier for that last moto of the day. So let's have the quote-unquote elite class out there, I guess. I see that point. What do you think, Weech? Well, I think where that started was it was twofold. Yeah, the fences are probably a little more packed with fans. You know, the third moto of the day than the fourth. Some people do try to get out early and be traffic. So it does look a little better on TV. But the real reason was, and again, like this is what this is the slippery slope when you start asking the riders for their opinions. In general, 450 riders were saying these tracks are so rough they're dangerous. We'd rather race on them when they're not as rough. And the 250 riders were saying the rougher the better. So it was an easy, okay, well, here's a fix, and I'll make everybody happy. We'll give the 450 guys the early motos and the 250 guys the later motos. So that was actually the majority of the opinion was just this mm-hmm. is the riders voting. Right. Because, uh, you know, in the early 450 days, the bikes were <clears throat> uncontrollable, being detuned, right. couldn't be ridden safely. It really is an entire uh, backlash uh, from that. But now I think everyone's realized the bikes are normal, they're controllable, and they don't need to do that anymore. Wow. Um, I, I think it's good. What do you think, JT? Does it, does it matter to you? Yeah, I think it's all right. You know, I was at the the team manager meeting uh, they have every year before Daytona on Friday before Daytona, and I'll give it give uh, credit to MX Sports here. They actually ask the opinions of the team managers, like what you know, what do you guys want to do? Um, here's our schedule. Here's what we can and can't do. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, and I mean, I think I heard Roger DeCoster for one, speak up and say, we would like to go second. We think it's better racing when the track is rougher and yada, yada, yada. So I think they they also like the fact that they get more time to prepare uh, after the last practice and then when they have to be there for the first moto. So I heard uh, positive comments from the majority of the 450 team managers there for that setup, and it seemed like the 250 team managers didn't really carry their way. So um, I Really, just taking away from it, I, I like the fact that they gave there they took input and just didn't make a uniform decision without consulting anyone. The uh, 
the thing also, too, one of the reasons behind it, from what I understand, is that, you know, we go to the Motocross and Nations, USA has lost three years in a row, and the tracks are rough, and they're gnarly, and they're not really touched after Saturday qualifying, which is, you know, sort of a GP tradition, and, and DeCoster thought that maybe our tracks being smoother were hurting the riders come that big race, the annual Olympics of Motocross every year. Did you hear that, Weege? Yeah, I did hear that. I think he went to Davey with that point. Now, those are very diminishing returns because at most you're talking, what, two or three guys in the 450 class? Yeah. Usually two that are even affected by that at all. So you're making a huge change for a very small percentage of, of difference, but I, but I don't think that's the only reason, but it is a reason for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so people take a look. Uh, where will this pre-race show be on? What, Ally Sports? Um, what, what, where will yes. it be? Okay. Ally Sports. So yeah, take a look at that. Uh, I think you can go to promotocross.com also. So basically, if you were going to watch the uh, first moto on the internet at, uh, what, well, it'd be one o'clock local time for most, but I believe Glenn Helen's on at two o'clock local. But uh, just turn it just, on early and watch the pre-show. If you if you hit me up on Twitter to complain about the times or the channel changing, I'll block you. I'm going to block you. Just oh, tell you right that's, now. That's that's I'm just I'm over it. I'm happy that motocross is on TV. It's not the ideal scenario. It would be great to be all four hours live, uh, but guess not going to happen. Probably not going to happen in our lifetime either. So just take it for what it is. Jason Wygant, Grant Langston calling the action. So, um, all right, let's get into the preview. Uh, preview of the class a little bit here. So. Roxon, Dungey, Tomac are the three favorites for the title, uh, and I would have Trey Kennard in there. Except we don't think I don't think Trey's coming back till after the break. What do you know, JT? I don't know much. Uh, I think he's still in a kind of wait and see type deal right now, which doesn't say great things for his timeline. Yeah, um, I know there's de- there's no definite date right now. So uh, take from that what you will, but. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the sooner the better for everyone's benefit, just a fan in general. But I don't think he's even got a day yet. So yeah, um, so we'll wait and see. Knowing that, uh, Rox is the defending title. Dunge, uh, obviously, the machine coming off Supercross title, and Eli Tomac. Uh, Weege, I'll start with you first. Um, Roxon, the people around Roxon are talking a little bit about uh, his ankle not being 100. percent I talked to another guy that that's close to him. Um, that was been out riding with him and said that he's flying right now. So I, I'm hearing kind of both sides that he's not 100 percent and that he's flying. What, what do we know? What do you hey, hear? You know what though? I think both are possible. Mm-hmm. He's just so darn good that I think he could be at you know maybe not absolute 100 percent with the ankle and still be unbelievably fast and still be able to win races. So I think it is possible both ways. I did hear people on the team say that they. You know, if he could have come back at, say, Houston Supercross when they originally planted him coming back, he would have. They weren't just holding him for safety purposes. They were holding him because he still was not healed. So I have to see. But I think there's a lot of question marks surrounding Rockstar right now, and I think he will answer all the questions positively as soon as we go racing. Mm-hmm. But I feel, in general, you know, we go to these races, we talk to a lot of people, and just bench racing and whatnot. I feel like the bloom has come off the rose. I don't know if that's fair. But I feel like you're hearing, oh, he's hurt, he dropped Alden, uh, yeah. look at how good KTM is now, uh, this team, there's problems behind the scene. Like, I think it's just a lot of drama, and really all it came down to, he got hurt. Had he not got hurt at Supercross, this whole conversation would probably be different. Yeah, it's funny how that works, right? Like one little thing like that, and, and yeah, and, and 
It just opens up all this stuff. And if you're winning, it all gets that stuff all gets buried. Nobody talks about it. Nobody cares. But you're right. I've heard the same yeah. kind of things. And I think we've been together when we've heard some of those things. But separately, too, yeah, I hear there's, there's things going on over there that, you know, aren't great. And be it the ankle, be it the team, be it Kenny. Some people are saying, some people that were buddies with Kenny are saying, oh, he's changed a little bit, man. I don't really know what's going on with him these days. And other people are like, oh, his ankle's not great. He's not pumped on the team. And Alden dropping Alden was a bad deal, was a bad decision. But I like if he comes out of Hangtown, JT and goes one one, eh, it's all good. None of that matters. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll be fine. I don't know if he'll come out and go one one, but I fully expect him to be in the mix. Um, he's been riding for a while. You know, I, if you follow him on social media, if you you know, we're all in quotation marks insiders in the sport, so we hear he's out riding and you hear these things. So. Given the amount of time he's been riding, given the amount of time he's had to prepare for outdoors only, uh, which has been, I don't know, six weeks or more at this point, I fully expect him to be in the mix, uh, on the podium at least. Yeah, 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 I definitely think so. Although, he's been off for, geez, when was Daytona? Round nine? Yeah, yeah. I think he he's nine was weeks. riding. Yeah. He was riding though, like still. I want to say at the end of March. Right. I want to say he was riding, or yeah. maybe just in the beginning of April. So that would still be a month of solid riding. Mm-hmm. And that would have been he. That would have meant he was only off for three weeks, four weeks, and which does nothing really to your base fitness when you're as good a shape as he was. So I don't see any real negative impact from unless he's still hurt, legitimately still injured. Uh, that would obviously, you know, kind of be the wild card here. But I, I don't think that's the case. I think he's going in at, at 100% or as close as he can be. Uh, so I, I expect big things. I, I think he's going to be ready to roll. Um, whether he can beat Tomac or Dungey, we'll find out. You know, that's can, but I can, do think we'll see the best rocks that we're going to see. Can anybody else, am I, am I missing somebody uh, title-wise, rocks and Dungey Tomac? I mean, obviously, like I said, Kennard would be there, but he's not going to start the series. So, Rocks and Dungey Tomac, am I missing anybody to, who can win this title? I don't think so. I, I think that's your that's your base group right there. Um, yeah, I mean, we went into Supercross with four. Uh, I feel like we would go into Outdoors with four, but we're missing one. So, same group. Uh, Weege, if I said, you know, hey, Ryan Dungey won the 2015 Supercross title, nobody would be that surprised. I mean, he was certainly one of the guys we talked about as being, you know, a potential title winner, and he got his second Supercross title. But I think if we had said, look, he's going to have 16 podiums, he's going to win eight races, he's going to get third a couple of times, but basically he's first or second, uh, that's a surprise. And he credited the bike, he credited being married, he credited joining Alden Baker, he credited Ryan Villapoto being gone. No, I'm just kidding about that. But, uh, um, yeah, it's... I, I think he's my pick right now. I, God, he's on a, you know, I got questions about Tomac starts, and I got questions about Roxon, uh, a few things. I don't have any questions about Ryan Dungey. I don't have any questions. No, it's weird. He's not the champ right now. But I feel like if you took the, the temperature of everyone at Hangtown, I think you'd almost, everyone has to remind themselves that he's not champ. It almost just seems that way because we just saw him win a title, and we're seeing how good everything's going for him. And Roxon now has these question marks around him. I think I think people almost have to take a double take when Roxon comes out with the number one plate and say, "Oh no, wait, he's champ. <laughs> Dungey's champ in Supercross." Well, last year they had a great battle outdoors, but Roxon did beat him. But um, 
yeah, there's just so much momentum and so much positive energy kind of on uh, Dungeon's side right now. And if you're going to bet on somebody, what you do know is that Dungey will not ever be out of it. He's going to be in the hunt no matter what. Yeah. There's always a chance that every other rider could have problems. There's a chance they could beat him, but there's a chance they could have problems. So, yeah, I always feel like he's the safest pick. That's why I picked him last year. Uh, but I do think that people have forgotten a little too quickly how good Roxon can be, especially outdoors. But how could you not pick Dunge right now, I feel? Right. I mean, he's just – the bike is great. And, yeah, he's just in – I mean, his Supercross season, like I said, for him winning the title, that's not a surprise. The way he did it was a surprise. So he looks better than ever. Yeah. I, think, I mean – I keep reminding yeah. – go ahead, go ahead, JT. No, I was just going to say, uh, just to basically jump onto what you guys are saying, he was my pick in Supercross, and after the Supercross season yep. he had, how could he not be my outdoor pick? You know, it just would make no sense. Yeah. So, Unless I mean, unless Tomac figures out this starts. But, uh, yeah, but, but is he going to? I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, you look at the two of them, and they're so close, it seems like, on speed. You know, one, if one of them gets a gap on the other, it, it seems like it just stays. But Dungy has been so consistent with the starts, and Tomac hasn't. And that's not to say Tomac hasn't gotten good starts now and again, but when you look at it on average, you know, if, if you have two guys that are the same, and then you look at their first lap position, well, you could, it's very, it becomes very easy to see why one guy's you know, oh, 80 points ahead or whatever. Well, I mean, Tomac told me at um, Santa Clara that he feels like his starts will be better outdoors because there's more room to move outdoors. There's longer start straights. You know what I mean? You have more time to recover from a bad jump or whatever, and he's got a point. Yeah, it's, but, which is possible. But if he's talking about, and I think that's what he was talking about, to be clear. But also to be clear, it's a thirty, you know, thirty-five minute race, and it still boils down to your start. It's amazing how many times it does, even thirty-five minutes. So, I, I that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about you know changing a a first turn, you know, tenth into making a first tur- turning a first turn tenth into a fir- you know a second turn third. And, he, right. and he's right about that, but but it still boils down to a start, man, even for 35 minutes. So it's kind of funny. He, he, it's just hard for him to mow down. When he won that 250 title two years ago, Tomac, he actually never did finish the starts out. He just, the first half of the year, he was going like 13th to second in the races, and then he just somehow started going 13th to first. Yeah. Like, but I just, I feel like Roxon's probably stronger now than he was then. Uh, obviously, losing Alden is a big question mark. We, we, we hit there again. Our questions to be answered there, but I'm sure he's he knows what the training and the fitness is all about now. I can't imagine he's gone downhill. Mm-hmm. And you got to deal with Dungey. It just seems like it'd be that much harder for him to do what he did in the 250 days, which was screw it. I'm just going to start 10th, and I'll just have to pass everybody. That just doesn't seem as likely with a, a guy like Dungey. Well, and we'll yeah, and we'll talk about that. I think in regards to the 377 because this. There's things you can get away with, JT, in the 250 class that you cannot get away with in a 450 class if you're, you know, an elite talent. Well, yeah, I mean, I think in multiple ways. Um, your training habits, your diet, your, you know, big uh, big mistakes. There's lots of things. Um, and, you know, this isn't the first time that Christopher Sell has raced a 450 outside. Uh, he's a GP winner. Uh, he was very, very competitive on the 450 in Europe, so... I don't think it's going to be just a huge learning experience because I think he knows what that's going to be like. And watching the GPs this year, I think, has been a big eye-opener for many people to their level of competition and how rough the tracks are there. And if anyone watched the GP from Spain this past weekend, I mean, that track was a debacle. I mean, it was 
there was no smooth line, no real great traction anywhere. I mean, it's it's rough and tumble over there. So I don't think it will be just this huge, like, oh, my gosh, moment. I had no idea what this was like for Purcell. But I do think if he doesn't come in, if he comes in with the same level of preparation he had last year, it's not going to go real well. Well, that, and we'll talk about it, but what I mean in regards to the starts in, in Tomac, and Weege brought up the 250 class, and he's to- perfectly right. An elite rider like Roxon or Tomac can get away with things in the 250 class that will not get away with in the 450s, one of them being starts. And if Christoph Porcel, and we'll talk more about him in a bit, if he tries those same kind of habits, it, this is a different class, a different mentality with these guys. These are like real men uh, professionally, you know, some of the best riders in the world. Not that, you know, the 250 class isn't, but you're just, you got to be on point in this 450 class. Well, and, and look at who you're racing. Every person that he's going up, going to be going up against, you know, Trey's out, but he was a champ. Roxon was a champ. Dungey was a champ. Tomac was a champ. You know, all these guys are the best of the best that came out of the 250 class. These are the graduates of the champions of the 250. So it's not like you're just going to go mowing through guys like, oh, i got to get to the front. You know, like you're, every guy you're going to be up against inside the top, let's say, five to seven are legit guys. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's no going to be right. no just pushover. So it's a different level of competition, and I know he knows that, but uh, it's, you know, the road's not going to get any easier. I can promise you that. The the battle should be great between these three all summer long. Roxon, Dungey, Tomac. Um, I look for them to get most of the podiums. Would you guys agree? If you, I think Trey will fully be in the mix within a few yeah. weeks' time once he gets healthy. Uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna take some time, but I, I think the last four rounds, which we watched last year, I think he won, uh, won the majority six, of the motos. Six out of the last eight rounds. or something, yeah. Yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be in the mix. Obviously, championship is out of the question. But until he comes back, I, I do I agree they will be. I would I wouldn't be shocked if we saw um, you know six out of eight those those three on the podium, six out of eight rounds up until that point. Right, right. Um, the next group of guys that I have written down: Barsha, Baggett, Reed, Pike, uh, Anderson. I'm, uh, you can talk me into him. Uh, Sealy, great Supercross season outdoors. Uh, I talked to Dan at Honda, Dan Bentley, a little bit. He said that Cole was a little bit behind speed-wise from uh, from the guys right now outdoors, which is to be expected. He's never been a great outdoor warrior. But I mean, uh, let's let's touch on Baggett first of all. JT, you will not be duplicating your bet for Baggett for the outdoors, right? About walking. No, and home. I wouldn't have even done. I didn't do that at Daytona. I know, even the closest outdoor round. So and- with his Supercross season. This kid's a real threat. I don't know if a race wins, but he's a real threat for podiums every weekend. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And that's why I hedged my bet on the six out of eight, because I think he could be there, uh, especially straight away, like at Glen Helen, uh, Hangtown as well. We've seen how great he is, at especially these first two rounds. I mean, we've seen some of the most epic rides from him where he just rode around the outside of Roxon, uh, I believe, was that two years ago or three years ago at Hangtown on the last lap? Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's certainly capable, and he's riding much, much better than I would have ever given him credit for on the 450. So I think sky's the limit, especially early in the series. Uh, so, yeah, I'd, if he came out and got on the podium the first weekend or the second weekend, there would be zero surprise to me, that not at all. Weege, do you think he could win? Do you think he could win a moto? I think JT hit the nail on the head with the sky's the limit thing. Like, if there's anyone that can make the leap, 
and really compete with those three, uh, I think he's the best candidate. And the, the best evidence is, <clears throat> I'm sure Baggett's thinking this thought probably right now. He's probably doing a moto at Glen Helen right now and thinking, uh, yeah, Roxon and Tomac were in the 250 class with me two years ago or three years ago, and we raced all year, and I won the title. So why can't I do it? Mm-hmm. Now, I think the expectation is, oh, but, you know, a 450, is he going to be able to, uh, to adapt to that? First, they'll throw out the he's a little guy thing, which I, I continue to remind his bunk because he's no smaller than Ryan Villapoto was. I think Supercross proved he's fine on a 450, and that bike I think is pretty good in general. So why not me is what I would say. If you're picking Tomac and Roxon to be favorites, he would say, yes, I've raced them before, I've beaten them before. Why would I be way behind them? So <laughs> sky's the limit. Could he win a race? I, I absolutely think he could, although it is going to be weird, as JT pointed out, the tracks where he's unbelievable on really are those first two. You know, it's going to be his first national on a 450. That's two things kind of colliding. So we'll see if he can be that good right from the get-go because those are his best tracks, I think. Well, would Josh Grant repeat his, his moto win? I mean, I've heard some great things about JG riding. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I never, I, I lost, you know, whatever, 40 bucks or something to Truman last year because I – I was a non-believer in Grant. I knew he'd go fast at Glen Helen, but to win? Uh, I don't know. But, hey, look, the kid ended up, the kid, I said, the guy ended up uh, uh, having a nice end of the Supercross season, and we know he's fast there. So, uh, like Baggett, we might see some flashes from Josh Grant uh, at the, at the at least Glen Helen, the second round anyways. So, um, so we... Grant could be good anywhere, man. Grant could be good anywhere. You just never know when the lightning's going to strike, but he'll have those motos yeah. where he, you're like, He's just as good as anyone. I don't even know if the track matters. It's weird. Um, I don't think he's in the shape he needs to be in myself to to do it week in and week out. But if he's feeling it and it's the weather's okay and he likes the track, watch out. The so we so you like Baggett more to challenge that those top three guys. You like Baggett more than Barsha or Chad. I do. Yeah, I do actually. Chad's going to be a really tough one to measure here. I mean. These last few outdoor things have just been so darn rough on a guy. Now, I know he's ended up with physical problems that he, at the end of each season, he always says, I figured out what the problem is, and I'll make sure it doesn't happen again, but then something else does <laughs> right. happen, or the same thing happens. I'm never sure. Right. But uh, <laughs> I'm with you. It's, it's I mean, a- physically, the 24 motos have been pretty tough on him for a while now. Um, so I, I hope that's not the case. We know he has the ability to really do well here, but... Uh, I think we've been disappointed by Chad a lot in the Nationals the last three seasons that he's raced them. So really, if you, have you, to, if you think about yeah. it, since the Chatapult, like that was just such a defining jump, you know, the Chatapult, and then his his outdoors have been one way since the Chatapult, and they were going one way up until then. So yeah, um, yeah, and I don't, he's obviously come well back at the same level in Supercross plenty after that. But yeah. I don't know. No, yeah, I'm not. Just I, I don't think the jump had anything mentally to do with, you know what I mean? Oh, right. But I'm just saying, like, it, it is weird that way. Like, I don't think he's out there being like, oh, my God, I don't want to crash like I did on the Chatapult or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think he's thinking yeah. that at all. But it's just funny how that works. What about Barsha? What about – this is huge. This outdoor series is huge for Barsha. Seriously. I mean, look, he's, he's not like he's going to leave the team or get fired by the team or anything else. But this is a big thing. He hasn't been happy over there. It hasn't been all roses. So this is a big series for him. Yeah. Yeah, I think well, so. I'm going to let Weege go because I know he's closer to that situation than I am. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily a team thing per se. I think it's just a what level is Marshall going to be. If he has another series 
where he's not one of the elite guys. He wasn't in either series last year. I know he missed a lot of the outdoors, but it wasn't awesome right from the get-go. Supercross wasn't good last year. Supercross wasn't good this year. How many times, how many series can go where you're not one of the elite guys well, and then you're still considered one of the elite guys? That's, the, and that's here, what's on the line here. And here's the he's thing. He's their sixth-place guy again. This is, right. he's it's almost like his stock gets downgraded. Which is fine to be a fifth or sixth-place guy, but JT, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I would bet that Justin Barsha is probably paid within the top five motocrossers of the sport. Oh, I would say, yeah, that's right. That's, so very fair assumption. He's pulling a paycheck, probably equal to a you know anywhere in the top five, and that's uh, that's Tomac and Dungey and Roxon and Reed and J- Stewie, you know these kind of guys, and he's not getting a podiums or whatever. It becomes a bit of an issue. So if you want to be a fifth or sixth place guy, that's great. I mean all day long, whatever. That's still super gnarly, but I think the expectations and the contract is not equal to the results so far. That's fair. Yeah. So that's why I say it's going to be it's a big season. It's a big big uh big outdoor season for him. Um where do we stand? Where do we stand JT on Chad Reed? We meaning you. I'm I'm torn a little bit. Uh I don't I don't really know what to expect from him. Um and that's that's being as honest as I can be about it. I know he's in shape. No doubt about it. I worked out with him. I've done all the, you know, stuff and I know he's in shape. He's he's in better shape than he was when he was getting great results. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. Like, he's not going to get tired or any of those things. I really believe that. Uh, I just don't know how his speed will be. Uh, we've seen him have championship-winning speed, uh, you know, the, the year of the Chattapole thing. I think he was the fastest guy that year until that happened. Um, so it's not like he can't go fast enough. It's just... I think for him and outdoors, everything kind of has to be perfect, if that makes sense. Uh, mentally, the bike, um, you know, as he's gotten older, it just seems like he's very temperamental with uh, bike settings, tracks at track conditions, uh, his mental confidence level. Like, all these things have to be very much lined up for him to race at that level, especially outdoors. So I'm going to wait and see on him. I... I I just hope it's better than it's been the last couple of years. You know, if he's four, five, six, you know, that that's fine. You know, I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of that for him. And I know he knows that he's not as good of an outdoor guy as he is in Supercross. So, but you, yeah, but, I, I yeah, you obviously see. hope the best for him. But I, I'm just anything better than you know the tenth place, the twelfth place, fifteenth place rides we've seen from him. I think will be acceptable. I think four, five, six is is fine all day long. I think you can for, you can forget about him as a championship guy, but four five six is great. Problem is, is we haven't even seen that. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, it's been wrong. I mean, we have. It's just been you know the last couple of years. Everyone can agree it hasn't been good. Like I'm so. looking at his results, results from last year, and his best mm-hmm. place was a fifth at High Point. He got sixteen. That's fi- sixteen points is fifth, right? Yes. Uh, he got a fifth, and he got a couple of sevenths, and yeah. that's it. That's like, what I'm saying. I, you know, I I don't think he. He probably goes, because he's a pretty confident guy, he's going in thinking, you know, he's going to do great. But mm-hmm. I think somewhere in his psyche, he knows that if he's as long as he's around that four, five, six, and maybe he can't beat, you know, maybe Tomac and Roxon are, are a bit better than him, but he's in he's a respectable spot. I think he would be okay with that at the end of the day. It's just you can't go back down this road where you're getting 12th, you know, and you're getting passed by Oldenburg and, 
that's that's what the stuff you got to you got to avoid at all costs because he's just better than that. That's not what he should be doing. He has too much talent for that. He has too much, you know, his equipment's too good, all that kind of stuff. So that's just what I would say hopefully he can avoid this year. Pike, uh, what's your thoughts on Pike, Weege? Four, five, six, seven? Yeah, uh, I think it's tough. To, the outdoors especially, just because the motors are so much longer, uh, you just can't hide. Like, in Supercross, we saw him where he could get the start, you know, ride like a freaking maniac for eight minutes and ten laps. And at that point, you've put yourself in such a good position that now you can maybe steal a podium. And that's exactly what would happen. Sometimes he would, sometimes he wouldn't. But it was like he got a 50-50 shot. Uh, even if you're not quite the fastest guy, whatever. But uh, I don't think you can hide <clears throat> the same way outdoors. You cannot just get a start and sprint for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. and then you've just built up such a huge lead. It's not going to happen. So him getting in the podium, we'll see. We'll see if he can do that like he did in uh, Supercross. I mean, he's going to be good. Right. Even last year in the RCH, you know, he was <clears throat> there was this like five, six, seven-ish group. Uh, that he was right there in it. Grant, I think, was there. He was there. Uh, Metcalf. Uh, so he wasn't terrible last year, but I guess the question is, can he continue this rise? Can he continue to go from where he would be fifth or sixth last year to third or fourth-ish yeah. this year, which is almost becoming to be where we expect him to get? Yep. No, absolutely. Uh, Seeley, yeah. Where do we think Seeley is going to be? Is he going to be off, off the top five pace, you know, five to ten? Is that where we think he's going to be? I mean, still nothing wrong with that. Had a great Supercross year. I think he's more up and down. Yeah, uh, you certain tracks and certain days, <clears throat> uh, things are going to work for him. I, I think a guy like Pike just hammers it so much, and almost really none of that stuff matters. To mm-hmm. Set up the track, whatever. He's going to just ride balls out, and what he gets is what he gets. I think Sealy, we've seen it in the 250 class. There's certain days where he's flowing and he's feeling good, but uh, it, then other weeks he's just getting ninth, which is what happened in the 250 class. So I think you're going to see a little more up and down from. From him, yeah, I, I, I agree. If you had to pick right now, JT, who would finish ahead of who in the points, Barsha or Pike? Who who do you go with? I'm going to say Pike, and I I know that's crazy. And people are, you know, uh, Lorraine Barsha probably want to bottle me at Hangtown, but I just like where Pike is. Uh, his starts have been really consistent, and I think that bike. Uh, is so damn fast that it will propel him to better starts than we've seen. Uh, Barsh has always been a pretty solid starter, so I think he'll be up there quite a bit in either case. But I just like, you know, I like the things I've seen from Pike. His fitness is is certainly much better uh, than it was earlier in the season after his injury. And I think for him, he's been a better outdoor rider consistently his whole career. So I think he's going in with a ton of confidence because for him, He's got to look at this like, hey, man, I, I wasn't ever that great at Supercross, but look what I'm doing in Supercross. What can I be capable of outdoors? You know, that, that's mm-hmm. what he's got to look at it, is if you're so much better at one aspect, but you're doing so great at the, the lesser of the two, man, like I can really make you know, do some damage outdoors. So I think he's going in in a really, really good spot. Where Barsha, things, as we've already kind of discussed, things haven't gone well. Um, you really don't know what the – the level of enthusiasm is, or, you know, it doesn't seem like the team is getting getting their money's worth from them. So I'm sure not everyone's been just, you know, high-fiving each other um, just because I know how that dynamic goes. So 
I just think you're on two opposite sides of the coin as far as mental outlooks approaching this deal. And, you know, for as, as much as everything about their careers wants to tell you Barsha, I think Pike's the pick right now. I'm, I'm going to stay with Barsha. Okay. I'm stay with Barsha. Um, right. But, yeah. Is it because Pike said he was going to beat you up? No, because he said he was going to beat me up anyway. Like, he's good or bad, he's going to beat me up. He wants to beat me up. Okay. So it doesn't really right. matter. Um, I'm going to go with Barsha just because of the past the past resume and the skills. I think Barsha has more skills than Weston. Uh, and that and that talent talent will win out in the end. Uh, I think he works hard, Bar- Justin. I think he, you know. Sure he does. Yeah, so yeah. I... I because you know, talent talent doesn't win out if you don't work hard. So I think they they both work hard and all that. And I think I'll just go with Barsha. But believe me, I could be talked out of it. I'm probably fifty five forty five, Barsha. <laughs> what do you think, Weege? Yeah, I'm with you, Steve. I still I still believe Barsha is just a superior talent. Uh, it's really hard to to gauge where Pike is going to be because he's just improving at rates that we've never seen anyone improve before. So it's like. Give him a couple more weeks off, and he's going to get ten percent better than he was even the last time you saw him. But mm-hmm. I still believe in uh, Barsha. Now that I think I'm kind of hearing from the team now is when he rides, especially the outdoor testing, he's unbelievably fast, and they see the talent, they see the things that everyone knows Barsha can do. But for whatever reason, it hasn't been coming to the track uh, lately. So I mm-hmm. still have the belief that he can do well, um, but I almost feel like the definition of well has already been downgraded. I mean. In Barsha's mind, based on his salary, based on where he's been in the past, doing well for him is being the best guy, winning. That's what Barsha would like to do. Right. I don't know, does anyone, except maybe him or the team, well, hey, we're already saying we have three favorites and he's not one of them. Uh, like, does yeah. anyone feel if that's even realistic anymore? Honestly, I, I'd put Baggett ahead of him right now. I really would. Strange, huh? Like, Strange. Blake Baggett, everybody. <laughs> ahead of Barsha? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would, too. Yeah. I mean, why would you not? Barch, Barsha's never won an outdoor championship. No, Baggett's no, a, no. Baggett's a past champ. Well, the only thing with Baggett, like, people people say, hey, past champion, past champion, and, and they're right. But that wrist, he hasn't been the same guy since the wrist. And he's come a long way, and he's very fast, and he's doing well. But I would say that that wrist injury has hurt Blake Baggett. And for me to hang the hat on, hey, he's won a national title. That's all. Um, hey, so uh, let's take a commercial break here. BTOSports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Listen to this ad from Racetech and get some suspension service and get a discount at it as well. We'll be right back to wrap up the 450 MX preview here. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOSports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's a more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, eh, probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10% at uh, Racetech? 
Go to PulpMX2015. When you order, you can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right. And we're back. BTOsports.com, RacerX Podcast, presented by Fox Racing. Um, let's deal with the Rockstar Husky guys, uh, Jason Anderson and Christoph Porcel. First, we'll go with Anderson. Um, what do we think, JT? What do you what do you see Anderson finishing, doing all that kind of stuff? He he definitely stepped up his game last year outdoors. He even won a moto at Buds, but then he really whooped himself. Uh, I thought he was maybe a little out of shape, but of course he's working with Alden, so that's kind of fixed itself. Uh, where, where are we at with Anderson? I think he'll be good. I just think he'll be inconsistent. I think there'll be crashes and DNFs and bad starts and mm-hmm. all kinds of things um, that we saw in the second half of the Supercross season this year as well. So moments of brilliance followed by moments of uh, you know him riding back to the truck mid-moto. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weege, what do you That's think? What I expect. Yeah, he's going to be good. He's not quite the same uh, outdoors, I feel, as indoors. It's almost like the inverse opposite of, uh, say, what we think of Baggett, or uh, similar to Sealy. Just based on what he did last year in Supercross, mm-hmm. he was, you could maybe argue, the best guy in 250 Supercross last year. And outdoors, he was okay. But, I mean, he was there pretty much the whole season, and I don't think a lot of people remember. You know, he's getting fifth and sixth. He did win one moto. So uh, I think the jury is still out if he can be the same guy uh, outdoors as he was in. And his Supercross season was good, but it wasn't spectacular either. So... To expect him to go another notch above that, I don't know if that's realistic. Um, yeah, I think I'm with you guys. The three seven seven, poor sales, a late a late signing by the Husky four fifty team. Oh, by the way, if you're wondering why we we haven't brought up Andrew Short, and that's because he's hurt, and he would be in this mix. I think with this next group of guys, Andrew's a great rider. He had a great series uh, last year for the most part. JT, when's he coming back? Halfway? Is he going to be back? He'll be back at some point, right? He'll be back for sure. I don't know that we have a, any kind of timeline. Um, I think we have a less less knowledgeable timeline on him than even Trey. So right, okay. We're just waiting so, to see. Let's, let's deal with another fly rider, Christoph Porcel. By the way, I'm surprised he wore fly. I would think his deal would be like, hey, you can make your own geared money and all that, but good job on getting him in fly gear, JT. Yeah, I mean, it's, I shouldn't take any credit because I didn't really have anything wow. to do with it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I know it was touch and go for a while. Right. Uh, we obviously wanted him. Uh, why would we not? Any contender, of course, we'd want him. So we're happy to have him. But uh, just, you know, a lot of contractual things, you know, and we had a standing deal, and luckily we got him. What do you think, Weege, about this signing and how he's going to do? And this is, again, with Kristoff, as usual, he's, he's the wild card. Oh, yeah. Uh, I talked to the team quite a bit, Bobby Hewitt, the team owner at uh, Las Vegas, about it, and he's laid out some reasons why he thinks that they're better equipped uh, than the previous teams to uh, to work well with him. And in a nutshell, I guess his theory is that this is a factory Husqvarna team, but it's still kind of a privately owned, privately run team. Yes, they do have help from Husqvarna, but he thinks in the past that Kristoff is such a round peg in a square hole. It doesn't really work on the established teams. Where here, they're still kind of new. They're still kind of independent. And if he has, for example, a weird request with the bike, and they say his bike is going to be set up totally differently than Anderson's, they don't care. They'll do it. And other teams are a little more of the, no, 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 this is what works better. You figure it out. You, know, you adjust to this. It's always amazing how Purcell seems to have the issue. It's never, it's just wherever he goes, 
even to the GP teams. Yeah. It's always the teams that are just terrible. Never, never the rider, though. It's just always weird how that no, works. No, I know. And I think one of the unfortunate things about Porcel is, obviously, he's never going to completely fulfill his potential. I mean, he's had several years go by now where he might have been in his prime, and we're never going to see what he had. And a lot of that gets blamed on him because he's weird or he complains or whatever. Uh, but the reality of it, I think, is he had a unbelievably gnarly injury. He was in a wheelchair at some point. And I think he's permanently a little bit gun-shy. And he will not go for it on a bike that is not perfect for him. He's trying to figure out a way to safely go at the speed of these other dudes who are just going balls out. And that's a really, really, really tough equation to get right. He can do it sometimes. But, I mean, to go as fast as Eli Tomac, you know, but do it in a manner that seems safe. I mean, Tomac, there's nothing safe about the way he does it. He just hammers shit. Yeah. Like, he just goes for it. So to match that while also not scaring yourself and riding in control like he likes to do, it's just a big ask for the motorcycle um, for any team, any brand. Did Bobby Hewitt Hewitt say, did he actually give you the reason why they signed him? Like, and put him in the 40 class? Is he good? What do you mean why? Why did they sign Jason Anderson? Why would you sign anyone? Okay, so Bobby <laughs> Hewitt, Bobby Hewitt thinks Christoph Porcel can win or do well. I guess. Oh no, I I, I don't know what their actual. I, I I think they know it's unrealistic to make any prediction. You, well, you, I'm just wondering, like, well, yeah, like a flyer, taking a shot. Okay, so Marty Davalos, right. did they need a rider? Because there's apparently Marty Davalos won't be riding because he's due to his, this illness. Is that maybe why they needed a guy? Like, I'm the the move is weird. So I was wondering what the mo- – and to put him in a 450 class is a little different also. So I'm wondering, you know, Davalos was supposed to ride 450, so maybe that's the spot. I mean, is it really that weird, though? I mean – Well, they look like a full team. Weird. They look like a full team, unless Marty Davalos is out. I can't figure it out. Like, they have Zach, Zach Bell, Zach Osborne, Christoph, uh, or sorry, Jason Anderson, and Marty Davalos. So – it, why go and add a fifth guy? Which we know, talking to Mitch Payton and other guys, five guys is a lot in the semi. Is Davalos out, and that is why they they signed him? Davalos is definitely out for a while. Oh, okay, all right. So yeah. maybe yeah, they definitely okay. So definitely out for a while. I'd heard that, but I never. So this is kind of like a hey, we need a guy for a four fifty class. Let's get this guy. Yeah, I, I don't I know if that was the official word, but that. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. So, right. I think it's no. like last year. You have. Just okay. Valley wasn't even a team per se; they weren't even going to go racing. But then, when a opportunity like a Porcel, who you're like, "Well, wait, this guy could potentially win a race," comes out, I think you just start exploring options that you didn't even expect. I don't think they were going to do it for just anybody. Uh, like I said, Valley wasn't even going to have a team last year, and they went and got Works Bikes and hired Eric Kehoe and did all this only because of him. They weren't doing it for anybody. So I think it's the same thing. Like, oh, we have this guy. Mm, let's see what we can do here. All right. Um, yeah. Nicoletti, Frederick Noren, Justin Brayton, Brock Tickle, and the Hahn brothers. That's kind of my next group of guys. Um, I think Kristoff fits into that other group with the with Grant and Anderson and Barsha Pike, right? He's there. What'd you think? Uh, let me pose the question to you here, Steve. Is there, a, I mean, okay. It wasn't unbelievably great last year in the 250s, but there were some moments for sure. Qualifying, he won Unadilla. Is there any time this year where he is 
right there with the best guys or the best guy for a moto, for a lap, or anything. Do you see that happening in the 450 class, Steve? For a lap? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Other than that, no. And then, as per usual, this will probably end up at the end of the year with both sides uh, mother-effing each other because that's how these things end. <laughs> they always do. So, good luck going forward, everybody over there with Christoph, and good luck to Christoph, and hopefully he finds his magic team that does everything he wants. I I'm, won't hold my breath. But for a lap, yeah. Do I think he collects as many Oakley bombs? No. Do I have him making the podium? Mm. Unadilla, maybe? I don't know. It's late, though, man, to jump into this class, and his fitness wasn't great last year. So, I don't know. We'll see. But I think he belongs in that next group of guys, obviously. Like he, I put him ahead of a Justin Brayton or, or Will Hahn or Brock Tickle, right? Yeah, he's going to be good. He's not, he's not. He's no slouch. Yeah, he's not going to be getting twelfth. Right. Um, yeah. Will Hahn, how's Wilbur going to do, JT, on his return? He's been off all Supercross. I don't know. I think it's going to be tough. Uh, he's. I don't really ever consider him being an outdoor specialist ever. Anyway. So to jump on the 450, which he's never ridden the 450 in outdoor championship, um, I don't know. It's going to be tough. He's coming off of some a string of pretty nasty injuries. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we all like Will. He's such a good guy uh, that you want him to do well. I just think it's it's going to be tough, man. I, I really believe that it's going to be a, a tough summer. And Tickle, last time we saw Tickle, he, you know, he missed all last summer. Uh, but last time we saw him, he was a top ten guy. Probably be there again, huh, Weech? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think with any of these guys, we do this. This podcast is always unrealistic every year because yeah. you're just counting on the guys that are healthy and who's going to be there. Uh, it is impossible that all 15 dudes we probably already mentioned are just going to be there every single moto. So uh, I think one of Tickle's strengths is that he usually is there every moto. Mm-hmm. He had that one big crash in Supercross last year, but that's the only real big blemish on his career. So I bet you halfway through the year, or round eight or nine, you're going to be like, hey, look at Tickle. Hey. That's, that's the way it's going to go. Yeah. We're going to need you to do that on the broadcast. Hey, look at Tickle. I will, I will, actually, oh. I will actually give it that. And, and hey, f- Fast Freddie Norn, he, he's going to have a pretty good bike over there with the Crossland guys. He's had a rough little testing episode. He crashed a couple times here, but let's not sleep on Norn. And, I mean, he got 10th overall last year, and, you know, he's running up front. Finishing in that 5-10 to 10 range, which for him was a huge thing. I mean, he'd never even come close to doing that well before. Honda guys like him. Honda guys believe in him. He'll have a good bike. Freddie Norman will be in that mix, I think. He's got a lot of heart. He's in shape. So, um, and, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I guess we will see. Uh, it's, it's hard to say. We haven't seen him ride so long. Chiz. Chiz will be 9-12, right? Brayton, 9-12. Brayton, maybe a little better, Weege? I'm sorry to insult your your hero. Uh, I, I think there's some uh, uh, strengths going into this for Brayton and some weaknesses. He's usually terrible at the beginning of outdoors. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times he's beat up for some sort of injury at the end of Supercross. Um, I mean, the first two or three rounds for years have been really bad, and then halfway to the year he's okay. Um, so now his schedule at least is different. He's not beat up for Supercross. Coming in with a full head of steam, um, you know, I guess schedule, riding, fitness, health-wise. Mm-hmm. But we have yet to see 
this year at all, any magic whatsoever. So to just count on that happening, especially outdoors, which aren't his specialty, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to reserve judgment. Um, until he proves otherwise, it's been a struggle this year. And until he turns it around, I think you just have to assume that that could continue to be the case. I don't know what the problem has been. Will, it's not been good. Will you or will you not get to use at some point your celebrating phrase? Do you think? Uh, outdoors, no. You don't think he pulls a whole shot, you know, leads a few laps or anything? Like, like there's no point where you think you're going to be able to bust that celebrating. Well, you tell me. Is celebrating, can I do that with a start? Because he'll get some of those. He no, I think you can. And those take him fast. Okay. I think I you can. Is, is, is that a premature celebrating? <laughs> it could be a bit, yeah. Um, premature celebrating. Right. JT, you got to run right now. We're just going to wrap it up here, though, so we'll let you go. But uh, before we go, JT, give us your title. Give us your title winner. Going with the Dunge again. Going with the Dunge again? All right. Yeah, I'm one for one so far this year. Okay. <laughs> and give us your most surprising rider. I'm going to say Josh Grant. Okay. All right. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, buddy, for joining us. Appreciate it. All right. All right. All right, we just wrap this thing up, uh, let him go here. Um, uh, Tommy Hans racing 450s, I think we'll see, you know, probably somewhere around that Chiz battle, right? Should be the former Moto Concepts guys. Should be battling somewhere around uh, With Hong? Yeah, with Tommy. With Tommy, Tommy, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm almost saying similar things with Brayton. Like, Hans, now Hans, I think, strength is 450s outdoors, but... I just don't know. I mean, he had retired from the sport. He's been gone for a few years. I don't know if you can just automatically ink the guy back in where he once was. I mm-hmm. think it's kind of like Brayton where I'm saying the jury is just out. He was okay in Supercross. Um, but I'm not sure he could do it, but I'm not sure it's going to happen. Right. Hey, you said yourself, you know, when you when you officially retire, when you declare you're done, it is very hard to get back on the it, horse. It the doesn't. Level yeah, the list of riders who have retired and then come back is not big, and, and come back to success is not as big as the ones that come back and just just fall. <laughs> so, yeah, like even Porcel, we've discussed this on here before. Porcel never did officially quit. He was gone for extensive amounts of time, but yeah. he was never retired as a racer. Um, that's a big difference. So. You know, I think Tommy has the potential to do well because of that team and that bike. And, this is, mm-hmm. again, it's the class that he does well in, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, we didn't touch on Jake Weimer for people who are wondering. He's going to be out most of the outdoors. He might come back near the end, but I I wouldn't bet money on it. So I don't think Weimer lines up outdoors this year. So in case people are wondering where he's at, why we're not talking about we're him. We're not built that. Well, yeah, it's my next guy. So he's going to do half of them, um, apparently, maybe, maybe, maybe less. How does he do? What do you think? I, I mean – Dude, it's been so long since Davey's had, you know, a weekend moto in and moto out success outdoors. And he's on a Suzuki. He'll be on a Suzuki. He's going to be on his own program. A little bit of help from Yosh. I don't see it doing doing that well. But he, I mean, maybe. Maybe he pulls it out. Nothing is as good as motivation as, you know, needing to ride yourself to make, make money. Yeah, I agree. And he's not hurt or anything like that, so that definitely helps. I'm sure he's able to do whatever training and riding that he would normally want to do. But don't you just think that there's a part of outdoors where if you're not on that treadmill, if you're not just motoing down with these guys for the first, say, 12 motos of the year, you're just losing ground no matter what you're doing. And yeah. then to jump in, there's a few special talents like Trey Kennard's not afraid to go for it. He's the kind of guy that can jump right in and do it. 
But uh, for anybody, for anybody to just jump in halfway through this right. and, and be up front is, well, is a tall order. I mean, Davey is, is, I feel Davey's on a Trey Kennard talent level, but it's been a long time since he's had to do that. Yeah. Since he's had to, like. Yeah, like when Kennard has done it, Kennard has gone from, you know, um, uh, winning three Supercross races in a season, breaks the seamer, comes back three months later, and is right back where he was. Yeah. Not years, months. Yeah. 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 And and, yep. and yeah, but 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 you add the talent of Davy Millsaps with the needing to make money to get a ride again, and perhaps you have something special. You know, a lot of people talked about Davy performing. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's you know, J Bone at, at JGR said if 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 he had to sign Millsaps again, he would sign him to a series of six month deals <laughs> because nobody, true. yeah, nobody yep. gets motivated for a deal. Like like Davy Millsaps, who's talented as all as all get out, you know. So, and to his uh, potential benefit here, uh, we mentioned that guys are going to get hurt. That's just going to happen. Yeah, I said, oh, look at Tickle. Hey, look at Tickle. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how short sighted and, and short memories these teams are. Millsap has to know that if he does come in and kills it for like two good motos. <laughs> It could make all the difference as two? far as getting a ride. You're going to give him two motos. He has to kill it for two motos. <laughs> that's a, a lot of times with these teams, that's all it takes. I Literally. Yeah, you're right. You know it. I'm not saying that that's fair or right, but right. if he comes in, gets a good start, runs in the top three or four two times, and then other guys are beat up and teams are struggling and the field isn't as deep and he grinds out a few good results. It's just the only thing working against him, as we already said, is that he's already been down this road with every team. But right. as far as catching someone's attention, he good lord, it doesn't take much. <laughs> it's the annual Chris Gossler Get a Ride Foundation. Little Goose. No one could turn it on at the end of the season like Little Goose. Every year. Steel City <laughs> and uh, Binghamton, Little Goose. You're like, oh, look, he's pulling it together. Let's give him another year on Factory Connection. So, Yeah, yeah. It's not... Uh, Okay. I just don't know where you, you wrote the story on it. I just don't know where there's a fit for Millsaps. Well, half of those half of those reasons I was joking about, but except for Davey. Well, the fact he's written for every team already. I know. And we're we're not in a world where we have you know more good rides than riders. Right. And the fourth, no one's really hard up or desperate. Although they do keep, Porcel keeps figuring out a way to make her happen. So you never know. What. What about uh, Filthy Phil? We, I didn't, we didn't really talk about him. He's uh, you know, where do you see him at? I'm, is he better than Brayton and Chiz? Is it Will Hahn level? Is he better than that? Is he on an Anderson, Josh Grant, Chad Reed level? Uh, I think I think in some weeks he does jump into that group. I mm-hmm. do put him ahead of uh, those first guys you mentioned. I think he can break right there where say like Tickle is or, or whatever that may be. I, I definitely could see him, you know, being. Consistently, you know, eighth place ish. And no matter how full the field is, he's good outdoors, and obviously the starts are always good. Mm-hmm. That helps. Yeah, no, yep. absolutely. And he'll be a good post race yep. interview all the time. Oh, you think you'll be able to get him? <laughs> I don't know. I hope. I hope so. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, the 800. Now, the 800's ah. plan. <laughs> Look, you just go, ah. <laughs> the 800 plan is to race some. AMA Nationals or MX Sports Nationals or whatever whatever they are now. Um, yeah. No. What? How does he do? Where's he at? Does he do any of them? Uh, I heard he's actually contacted MX Sports specifically about doing certain ones. So I mean, it's definitely the plan. Um, 
I don't know, man. I don't see this deal. I don't see this deal being a benefit as far as is he going to be faster than he would if he was racing all the nationals by going in and out and, and going to Europe. And I just don't know how, how well that's going to go. <laughs> okay, MX Sports lackey Jason Wygant. <laughs> yeah. You need to sign up for all of the Luke Soil yes, exactly. promoted across national. Get your tickets now. I mean, honestly, I think the plan is ridiculous. We've talked about it on the Pulp Show. It's yeah. It's just it's yeah. it's ridiculous. But hey, more power to him. Good luck with everything. Um, I'm just interested after a season away. I mean, let's face. He was faster than Colton Fasciati in Canada last year. He ran out of gas. He crashed. He had a grip fall off. But he wasn't that much faster than Colton Fasciati. Now, Colton Fasciati. That again? Why not just? He could very easily win that title if he raced there again. Correct. Well, yeah, I mean, Brett Metcalf's up there, Matt Gerke's up there, Colton's back, you know, but... He'd be in that mix, though. You know what I mean? I don't think he's afraid of them. Like, I can't race up there because there's no chance in hell I could beat Metcalf or Gerke. I, right? th- I think the dad is afraid of losing again, you know? I think that that's a big thing. So if we don't compete in one series, we can't lose one series, you know? But- well, if that's... If the plan is uh, to find a way to prevent losing, that pretty much shows where you're at. <laughs> where where does he finish if he lines up? I mean, can he get back? I mean, when he left, he got second to Dunge in the uh, National Series. I mean, there was a lot of injuries and everything else. He won a, won a moto. Can he get back? You know, cause remember, he, he did, but then, you know, he up until Lasergate, he was racing the next season, and it wasn't nearly as good. Yeah, that's um, true. You're right. He wasn't as good. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. I kind of forgot, but he was not as good. That's true. It was very much a... Opportunist Alessi, where I feel like a lot of dudes were hurt. Uh, he was having a good summer, and he became, I mean, really, it was him and Weimer were the only two guys left. They were battling for second and third, and then I think Mike took full advantage of that. Mike, I feel, has always been good. Okay, when James Stewart was having a perfect season going, mm-hmm. Mike was the one that was racing his balls off to try to beat him, where everybody else was like, yeah. hey, this ain't going to happen. I'm never going to win a moto against Stewart. It's, imp- it's literally impossible. It literally was impossible. Do you remember Mike Mike making it up ten seconds on the last lap when James was waving to the crowd and he would reference? Oh uh, yeah. He would reference that in interviews, like, "Oh, I made up some time on him." Oh, I remember him going scrubbing the finish line jump at Redbud at the final lap. Stewart was doing like knack knacks or something over Loraco's lead, and there was Mike scrubbing the finish line jump to try to get that gap down. He's like, "Oh, I only got beat by eight and a half seconds." <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I feel like that's Mike's. Specialty, like right. when the chips are down and everybody else is giving up, that's when he's like, "Okay, this is what I'm going to go for." It. So, whenever a lot of guys were hurt that year, everybody had lost motivation. He did not. A lot of guys were healthy the next year, and he was pushed to the back. Uh, he wasn't with Dunge anymore. Um, so, should be interesting yeah, to see the opportunity. I think is come and gone. Should be interesting to see what he lines up for and where how he does if he lines up for. I I don't even think it's guaranteed that he'll line yeah, up. Yeah, you can't so. count on it. Right, you can't count on. It. Um, um, okay. Hey, one other thing. One other big change I want to point out. You mentioned uh, Oakley Bomb Awards. Oh no no. What? Huge outside sponsor making a return to the sport. Bud Light. Oh, Legitimate yeah. Bud Light. Not some not some janky <laughs> Hey, I own a distributorship in uh in Gainesville, Florida and right. I'm spending some money. Right. No, the actual Anheuser Busch. <laughs> uh apparently the I don't know what it's called, Bud Light qualifying or Pole Award or something. I like how uh, you had to clarify that for our sport. It's actually Bud Light, everybody. It's actually a really good thing. 
<laughs> yeah, well, we don't have we don't have JT on the phone anymore. But remember, there was a Subway Coca Cola Honda team. Oh yeah, I don't think uh, the owner of Subway or Coca Cola knew anything about that operation. <laughs> right, right. But so the Bud Light yeah. whole shot will now be the will be the the deal. That's good, good for the series. Yeah, anytime you can get somebody uh, like that involved, uh, all fine, all fine. All fine. Yeah. yeah, anytime you can get someone like Bud Light involved, absolutely, great, yeah. good job by that. Um, that's what we need to be, you know, as a sport. So now there used yeah, to be a yeah, th- there used to be a thing about the same money tree. There used to be a thing about when when Bud Light was in with with Jeremy. There used to be a thing about them not being able to to present it to minors or whatever. Ryan Morris wasn't able to ride there or whatever. Um, I wonder if that's still going to be an issue if a rider younger than twenty one um, gets up gets the pole. You know, gets the pole. Yeah, there. and obviously in the two fifty class, that's like pretty much a guarantee every week. So I don't know how that's going to be handled. Yeah, I don't know. Just in something, some, some, maybe rules have changed. Who knows? That was a long time ago. But I know that that was. That doesn't seem like the kind of thing that things don't seem to change in that direction. Yeah. After an eight-year-old drink the beer. Hey, you can uh, so, you can go and and shoot uh, other people and sign up for the army when you're 18, but don't you drink a beer? Don't you dare drink! Like it makes no sense. No, actually, the craziest thing is you can be a bartender under the age of 21. You can handle it and you can serve it. You really? Can pick it up, open, and hand it to someone. Yeah, you don't. Isn't that the craziest part of you, all? You Americans, seriously, you Americans, you guys are weird that way. Um, okay. You hold a touch, but do not drink it. Uh, it. All right. Give if you had to, if if aliens landed on the planet tomorrow, and said to you, you Jason Wygant, the voice of motocross, we only have enough fuel in our spaceship to go to one national. Tell us which one to go to. Where do you send them? I don't. I don't want to answer that because the answer is too obvious. Okay. What besides Redbud. Besides Redbud. Well, I feel it's the one that's come on strong now and is is running right on the back fender of Red Bud is now Millville. Um, you think, huh? It's good all around. I yeah, think. I think so. I think Lakewood is the sneaky one. Lakewood, well, yeah, exactly. Lakewood's the sneaky one. I think the obvious picks nowadays are Red Bud and Millville. But do not sleep on Colorado. No, Don't sleep on that. No, good yeah. viewing, close to Denver, nice area. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I, I Lakewood to me is strong. It's a, it's a, it's a strong race. So, um, the one thing that Lakewood uh, doesn't have, and um, any of the West Coast ones, I think, struggle a little bit. They don't quite have the staying, partying, camping at the track element mm-hmm. that uh, really make Redbud and Millville and, and High Point's not what it used to be on that level, but it's still pretty good. Right. I think the one thing it misses the, the racing, the track. The stuff that goes on at 1 in the afternoon on Saturday is really good there. <laughs> but I do feel like there's an overall staying at the track crazy experience that, that some of the ones further east. And folks, I mean, not like they eastern, but it's further yeah. east than those. Yeah, yeah. And, folks, uh, this is going to be the last year for the iconic Utah track. So if you've ever, <laughs> not, if you ever not, if you haven't been able to make it and you want to go see his, history, the Miller Motorsports Park is closing. Therefore, the, this will be the last year of the Utah National. It's a fable track. Many, many, many great legends have ridden there, touched there. Yeah. Go this year. Like they have a Hall of Fame like Unadilla does? You think they'll have a Hall of Fame? You know, I have right behind me where I'm doing this podcast, I have a jar with Southwick sand in it. Mm. I might mm-hmm. go. I might get the jar, jar out for Utah. I might just go get scoop that some of that fable Utah dirt up. You might need a chisel. <laughs> Who could forget the Coster and Hannah going at it? In <laughs> <laughs> Utah. <laughs> Utah National. Oh, we're both going to get fired. The way motocross was meant to be. We're both going to get fired when they hear this. But, uh, 
Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. So last year of uh, Utah and final round in Indiana this year. Indiana track before the rains came looked epic. Looking forward to a dry Indiana. I hopefully. So. Yeah, the riders uh, kind of all said that to a man, as they would say. Like they all kind of agreed they were bummed from the guys that rode it on press day, or they just saw the layout. I think people were pumped. It's not too far from Redbud, so it has a lot of those same qualities. Um, and the real one of the big reasons that it's the last race of the year is because actually Forrest Lucas, Lucas Oil, the Lucas family, uh, they are from Indianapolis, and uh, supposedly I guess we're going to have the series-ending banquet at his ridiculous mansion. And remember, Lucas Oil paid a hundred some million dollars to put their name on the uh, the uh, Colts Stadium in Indianapolis, so they're not short on funds. I'm sure this is. For a few insiders like us, it's probably going to be something pretty crazy. Oh, so we may have to actually extend our tickets and stay Sunday. I know you never did. Uh, last couple of years we had it Saturday right after the race. I that's don't know true. if that's the plan or not. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. You need to go. Good times. JT will be there and Chad Reed will be there. <laughs> Chad, Chad Reed will be there? Uh, yeah. Chad Reed's race in Vegas on a scale of 1 to 10 after seeing him at the Arena Cross. Where would you put that performance in Vegas? Oh, oh an 11. <laughs> Is, uh, he's got a podium. I know, right? He was going after Pike. <laughs> we saw we saw him go from not sure if he was racing to we were 100% sure he was not. <laughs> right, right. To racing. And then uh, there he was. Now, I mean, it wasn't out of control yeah. Friday night. No, no, no. It wasn't vintage, Chad. But, uh, right. but I can also vouch. Um, last year, um, I don't want to name any names, but he's my co-host on the broadcast. <laughs> okay. Former world champion, former world and national champion. <laughs> yes, yes, that's an accent. Um, uh, he would usually find uh, good times on Friday night. And at uh, Muddy Creek, we were over at Chad's rig. That's when the James Stewart stuff had all broken. So, mm-hmm. of course, go to Chad because you know he's going to have an opinion on it. Right. Um, and uh, Chad pulled a bottle of wine out of the rig and Grant and I down that. And he sat there and didn't even have a sip. So, yeah. There are times where he is a professional athlete and he's taking this thing very seriously and he wasn't in the points hunt. Season wasn't going great at that point. But uh, I don't want to make a complete joke out of Chad's uh, effort levels. There are times, you saw it in your Yamaha days, I'm sure. We make fun of the 2008 season, but there are times when he is motoring down like anybody else. Uh, looking forward to seeing Burner. Hopefully Burner gets the ride. I heard he's been flying. And I, I hear, even if there's no injuries, they may put Burner on a third bike at some nationals. So that should be interesting. So... Yeah, yeah. He tried one last year, Unadilla, right? Yep. He got some points, I think. No, I don't, yeah. did he get points? I thought he had a, he, his head pipe broken one moto and he crashed it. Oh, let me see. I, just, yeah. I was just looking at all this. Hold on here. I got it in front of me. Um, oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I got it in front of me. And uh, Michael Byrne. Uh, great radio here. Yeah, we're looking at the same thing and not finding anything. No. Michael Byrne. Oh, there we go. Three points. No, he got 18. Got an 18th. Yeah, got an 18th. Yeah. So, yeah, got, got three points. Um, all right, before we wrap it up, uh, I'm going Dunge as the title, just like JT. Who, who you got? I knew that uh, you guys would be, both be picking Dunge, and I want to pick Dunge. But just to make this a little more interesting, I'm going to go Roxon. Okay. Most surprising rider? Uh, I thought long and hard about this one, but you have these very tough definitions. <laughs> like, I want to pick Maggot. Is he allowed? Is that allowed? Um very big on that. Yeah, I think he's allowed. I do. I, well, it depends on what your definite... Okay, give me, like... Give me Baggett's best finish this year. 
I think there will be a point where Baggett is battling for a moto win. Okay, that's a surprise. So that would work. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there we go. Yep. If you tell me he's a surprise and he's going to get a podium, I'm not, that does not count. But if you're saying that he's no, going to battle no. for a moto win at some point, then that's a surprise. Yeah, yeah. yeah all right. I get um, that done. All right, my, my biggest surprise, I think Filthy Phil steps it up. I think yeah. Filthy Phil. I think Filthy Phil st- takes that step up and, and uh, gets into the top five more times than not. Okay, that's a surprise. All right. All right. Uh, most disappointing yeah. rider. Who do you think has a tough year? I'm still worried about Reed, man. I'm still worried. <laughs> I knew you were going to go it there. It hasn't even just been bad breeze. It just hasn't been bad results. But I mean, it's like right. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's Mono or Epstein Bar or whatever the hell. But and back problems. He's usually a wreck physically by the end of it. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of. Okay, I'm gonna yep. go. I'm gonna go three seven seven. I think that that's just oh. it's just unbelievable. Um, I think by the end, you probably need to stop. You probably need to stop. Well, right I just now, on this point. I mean, I just don't understand. I I mean, I talked to I talked to the Omaha guys that all helped him last year. Mm-hmm. And they're they're like, yeah, he's terrible to work with. He's terrible. Like. <laughs> he, he he doesn't you know he blames the bike he want, he makes all these weird changes we give him the changes he still blames the bike. Meanwhile he you know he just he refuses to look in the mirror. And these are all factory Yamaha people. This goes along to the team that the Moto Concepts thing that he left and didn't work out and goes to the the guy Harry Nolte and the the guys in the Cowie team that I know that he worked rode with for overseas. I just I don't understand this guy. I mean he just he's yeah. got the talent just. He needs to just, you know, look himself in the mirror and get stronger, get in better shape. And if he gets a fifth, he gets a fifth. Don't point, don't point at the team in the bike. That's all. Sometimes fifth and sixth is all you got, and that's fine. So, uh, I think fifth and sixth uh, against uh, four fifty guys uh, is easier to swallow. But uh, maybe, yeah, you know, yeah. Jeremy Martin putting it to you on, also on a Yamaha. Um, that probably stung a little bit more. Well, and Cooper I Webb mean, too, and all that. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, you're I, right. I, I didn't go back and listen to the 250. Did we do a 250 preview last year? I don't yeah, remember. yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah, we did. I mean, it was Wilson Baggett. We did a lot of talking about. There wasn't a soul on earth. Like that's just how crazy Hangtown can be. Think about that. Think about like two days before Glen Helen last year. There wasn't a soul on earth except I think Jeremy Martin and Steve Lampson who knew that was coming. Right. Right. That's and, how. And he comes out. Of, these outdoor openers can be. Yeah, he comes out of Glen Helen and just lays waste to everyone going one one. Just, just boom. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, ridiculous. Like I was saying, like three or four turns out of sight, gone. Uh, the same thing hanging out. Yep. So we'll we'll do two fifty preview maybe tomorrow or the next day. So. All yeah, right. I'm just using that as a reference of. Yep. You just really sometimes these first couple nationals will blow your wig back. Well, and that's why I mean. You know, some people who listen to this, they, they hold us to these predictions. It's like, come on, guys. You know, give us a break. It's tough to tough to know. Uh, BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. The Jason Thomas, who was on the line for a little bit, and Jason Wygant. Thanks a lot, Weege. And, uh, yeah, we'll do the 250 guys uh, tomorrow or the next day or whatever. But stay tuned, everybody. That is the 450 MX preview. See ya. See ya. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbet is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends. 
and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pit and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. It's my day.